wiggles, not the kind that wiggle tea that you drink, not scribble all together in a cottage she calls day. Toes and tea with Nanny B. Hello and welcome to my cottage. Your timing is perfect. I have a cup of tea in my hand and my neighbor Jules will be bringing us a story any minute now. Who do you think that is? Hello? Hello, Nanny Bee. It's your neighbor Jules with a story. Oh, you are who I thought you'd be. So are you, Nanny Bee. And I don't want to waste any time. So are you ready for a story? Oh, yes, please. Okay, then. Time Keeps on Slipping into the Future. Adapted for radio. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. And yes, that is what it's supposed to do, but not at an ever-increasing rate. The change started slowly enough, almost imperceptible. The village rooster started missing his cue. Music on the radio kept bumping into the news. And Mr. Meyer missed it. Well, you'll find out in just a minute. Mr. Meyer was a particular kind of man. He lived a life of activities done in good time, at the appointed time, all the time. He'd wake at 6.43 a.m., not 6.43 and 34 seconds, not 6.43 and 3 seconds. No, no, no. He woke at 6.43 precisely every morning. Then he rolled out of bed, slid into his slippers, walked to his kitchen, where he would set his bread to toast for 1 minute and 52 seconds as he scrambled his eggs. One minute and 52 seconds provided a golden toast and a moist scramble, just as Mr. Meyer liked it. Consumption of said meal took an additional four minutes and 17 seconds, allowing Mr. Meyer sufficient time to examine the daily weather report and confirm the exact configuration of clothing he should compile while avoiding the nuisance of indigestion. A shower was, of course, the cleansing regime of choice, all in, Mr. Meyer's routine would take him to 7.24 a.m. exactly, when he would step out of his door, cross the street, pass by four houses, and catch the ever-so-timely 7.26 bus. There was no margin for error. Mr. Meyer had no need for such fluid planning. Time had a job to do, and it did it well, until the day it did not. Mr. Meyer rose at his 6.43 a.m. slot, toasted and scrambled in his one-minute, 52-second allocation, consumed, cleansed, and clothed, all in time to reach his 7.24 appointment of crossing his threshold. As Mr. Meyer stepped out of his door, crossed the street, passed by not four but only three houses, he saw his ever-so-timely 7.26 bus drive away. Mr. Meyer was most confused. Mr. Meyer was most concerned. He referred to his timepiece, which did in fact reflect the time of 7.26. Exactly. But how was this possible? How could this be? His routine was flawless, timed to perfection, but yet his watch indicated otherwise. It was as though 
thirty seconds had disappeared, been removed from the hour. The next day, the most disturbed Mr. Meyer adjusted his alarm to call out at 6.42 and 30 seconds, precisely. He toasted and scrambled, consumed and cleansed, then clothed, of course, before stepping out of his door, crossing the street, passing by four houses to catch the ever-so-timely 7.26 bus at 7.26. Exactly! "'By Jove!' exclaimed Mr. Meyer to the surprise of his fellow passengers, who were used to the stoic, silent traveler he had been for the past decade, or maybe even two. Mr. Meyer's concern bubbled up all day long, so that when he arrived home, he was ready to take immediate action. At once, Mr. Meyer crafted an ardent letter to the town council, exposing this change of speed in which time operated, completely out of line with the agreed speed. Thirty seconds, in fact, he pointed out repeatedly. With maximum urgency, the letter was posted, and with minimum patience, Mr. Meyer waited for a reply. One day passed, then another and another, and with each passing day, another second was lost. Time was deteriorating rapidly. If something wasn't done soon, they could lose an entire minute. Just imagine one minute out of every hour. That's 24 minutes in every day. Think of all the cake-baking, sandcastle-making, dog-walking, friendly-talking you could have done in those twenty-four minutes. Oh, I shudder at the thought of all you could not do. With even greater urgency than before, Mr. Meyer steeled himself for battle. He rallied all the gumption amongst them and wrote another letter to the town council, but with even more exclamations than the first. Surely this would not be ignored, but it was. Ten days and ten lost seconds later, Mr. Meyer had to make a choice. Remain the quiet, unassuming chap he had been all his eighty-two years, or speak up and save the world. He opted to remain the quiet, unassuming chap. The thought of saving the world just, just made him tired, how could I save the world? How could I save anything? He thought. But then he thought so much, he started to remember the time he stopped the traffic in both directions to save a young lad's ball from annihilation. He thought of how he saved the local park from litter, the village shop from closing, and his neighbor Bob's bonsai tree from dying. Pile all the things in his life up, and in his own way... Mr. Meyer was already saving the world, just very slowly. <laughs> With his faith restored, Mr. Meyer started upon his plan to save the world. He made posters for every bus stop, shop lot, and school drop in town. Stop time before it runs out! He made up flyers to hand out on the bus, in the mall, and around the town. Make up for lost time! People were starting to notice. People were starting to talk. But not about time running out or losing time. They were talking about the odd old man ranting and growing old, and he himself running out of time. They didn't understand at all. By now, they had lost one minute in 
every hour, nearly half an hour in every day. That's enough time to eat out or sleep in, to, to watch your show or see a friend. In that time, you could ride your bike, fly a kite, run a race with all your might. Mr. Meyer had to do something radical. He had to make an impact. They're right. I am running out of time. But so are they, and I won't spend the end of my life watching the end of theirs. Mr. Meyer made another sign, just the one, and it read, For sale. And he meant it. He sold his hats and his shoes, his bed and his bookcase. He sold every picture, every possession in his home. And then he sold his home itself. With nothing left but money and the clothes on his back, Mr. Meyer set out to create a spectacle of such proportion, a beacon so blindingly bright that no one could ignore it. It wasn't hard for Jensen and Associates, architects extraordinaire, to accept Mr. Meyer's money. It was a bit of a challenge to accept his idea. You are to build this said Meyer as he unrolled his plan. What exactly is this? the senior associate asked. This, answered Meyer emphatically, this is my plan to save the world, to prove to everyone that time is slipping into the future faster than before, and we must take action before we have no time left at all. Jensen and the associates, architects of great standing, nearly laughed, but then didn't, as they could see this man was entirely serious. They had no concern about how they'd build this, only why? Why would a man of some years spend the last of them building this? Mr. Meyer could see their reluctance, so he looked Jensen himself in the eye and said, Humor me, son. Jensen conferred with the associates, the associates conferred with each other, and they all agreed. If this is what the client wants, this is what the client gets. They got to building at once. Mr. Meyer arrived at the site each morning to observe his creation in creation. It was one hundred feet high and two hundred feet wide, with a pivot point in the middle. The structure was crafted from sheer glass, sculpted out, then in, then out again, and partially filled with golden sand of the finest quality. There was a scale the glass structure rested on, with a little red cushion in between. The device was calibrated by precision engineers to turn after 24 hours, as determined on the day it was filled. Alongside the 24-hour glass was a board, a giant billboard, broadcasting the results of each day, that is, precisely what time the 24-hour glass turned. This spectacle attracted a lot of attention at first, but once again people did not understand. The billboard alongside included every day and how much time passed before the hourglass turned upside down. It began at the very beginning of the day it was calibrated, at 24 hours precisely. When day one ended, the hourglass tipped upside down so the entire contents of sand could begin its journey back down again. 
On day one, this process took 24 hours and 24 seconds. Day two took 24 hours and 44 seconds. As the days got shorter, the hourglass took longer to turn. Mr. Meyer faithfully stood by watching time slip away. He became a bit of a tourist attraction. That old kook Meyer and his glass folly. People would stop and ask him to pose in their selfies. Buses and cabs would divert to make sure they went past the landmark and its owner. For nearly half a year, Meyer and his hourglass were the butt of many jokes, the source of much amusement. But as the numbers rose and the time in each day shrunk, people stopped laughing quite so much and started thinking. Why didn't they have time anymore to go roller coasting or marshmallow toasting? Why did they wake up tired and go to bed wide awake? The engineers that calibrated the hourglass started to wonder, maybe, just possibly, Meyer was on to something. Quietly in their private labs, they started tests of their own. They shared their findings, still very hush-hush, with scientists and doctors and all the brains they could muster. Was, in fact, time running away from us? Nobody told Mr. Meyer that he might just possibly be onto something, but they didn't have to. He could see from the hordes of white coats that arrived at the hourglass and never asked him to pose. They actually said nothing to him at all. They spoke in hushed tones and nodded a lot. Then they would leave, and another batch of white coats with different people in them would arrive and do the same. It took nearly one year for everyone to finally understand what just one already knew. It took another half a year for anyone to figure out what to do about it. Mr. Meyer wasn't given credit when it was announced to the world that they were running out of time. Mr. Meyer wasn't even mentioned when they rebalanced the water levels in the sea to cause the earth to spin more slowly. Mr. Meyer was never told that he saved the world— but Mr. Meyer knows. He most definitely knows. The end. Why, thank you, Jules. I have often wondered if time was running away from me, like my chicken Doris. I know. I, I just keep getting busier and busier. Well, I don't know how to make time stand still, but I can make myself stand still like this. Wow, it... What is that, the crouching tiger pose? No, it's a squatting frog. But that, that's a bit unfair. They have few other options. Oh, yeah. Now I see it, a frog, of course. Oh, you've closed your eyes. Are, are you... Oh, she is. A, a, asleep. Squatting. I think I'll just leave her as she is, but I'll be back next week for more Tales and Tea. Go to nannybee.com. Go there to find out about all our episodes. You can like or follow us on iTunes or Spotify to get a reminder and get in touch. If you have a story seed, we can grow into a full-size tale. Go on and leave a message for Nanny Bee, and you might be on the show. This has been a Toby Hall production for nannybee.com.